0: So excited to share this next little bit with you. Today we have a, a special guest speaker. Um, Pastor Greg Davis, who had pastored here in DeSoto County for 20 some years. 24 and a half years. Uh, that, 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 that's a legacy. Man, that's some faithfulness. Twenty-four and a half years here in DeSoto County at Cornerstone Church in South Haven. He um, has recently written a book called Standing Strong in the Storm, and this book is, is touching lives all over the place. It's so encouraging. The testimonies he shares in here, the biblical values that and truths that he shares in here, um, he, he's been able to travel all over the country and share his story, his testimony, uh, and so today I get to yield the pulpit to, to somebody I consider a mentor, to somebody who's pastored me, to somebody who, let me, let me just share this, I was storm in my life. So you guys know back in January, my mom passed away. And you know that as I was preparing for the funeral message, um, I, I kind of panicked. I kind of freaked out. I kind of got to a place where I, I didn't know what to do or what to say. And I texted a number of our men and I asked him for prayer. Pastor Greg is one of the people that I texted. And not only did Pastor Greg pray me through that storm, but he actually gave me the wisdom and the advice that, that was the deal breaker, that, that broke through that panic and that fear and, and, and guided me to be able to put together the message to, to honor my mom, to say goodbye to my mom, and speak to my family. And so I don't speak just hypothetically as this is somebody who knows how to guide you through a storm. I speak, I speak as an, a veteran who's experienced it. Man, this is somebody worth listening to. This is somebody who God's put a great deal of wisdom in, uh, a great deal of experience in, uh, and I am... Absolutely honored to give him the mic and the pulpit today. Would you stand and help me welcome Pastor Greg Davis?
1: Good morning, City Church, Olive Branch. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated today. And we're very excited to be here. I'm actually, there is there is one thing that I'm sorry about this morning, and that is the fact that my wife, Nancy, could not be with me today. She's had, a, she's had a cold this week, and but was feeling fine last couple of days. But she got up this morning again with, uh, with a lot of coughing and a lot of sneezing and sore throat and stuff. And so she's like, I don't think I need to go. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I always love having her with me. Uh, but uh, anyhow, I tell you what, you know, one of the things we always need to do as followers of Christ is celebrate the good gifts that God has placed in our lives. And so I want to encourage you. I'm going to share a little bit uh, of our testimony here in a moment, but I want to encourage you to celebrate a wonderful gift that God has placed in your life. How many of you know you have a wonderful pastor? Come on. Come on. You, you know what? I've been in a many, many, many places throughout the the years and, and preaching a lot of places, but, uh, there's uh, sometimes when you think, okay, the pastor's a good guy, but I don't know if, it, you know, but there's some places where you go, wow, he is so genuine. So genuine. So genuine. And so you're very, very blessed to have him as your pastor. And so we're very excited about the things that the Lord is doing here in your church. And so we're, we're excited about that today. So I want to, uh, to speak to you today about uh, the, the title of the message is uh, Standing Strong in the Storm. And that's uh, the title of the book. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm not here just to sell books. I'm here to share a very, very needed message in the generation that we all are living in right now. And so, anyway, I want to give you a little bit of a, a, little bit of a very short version of our testimony because it would take a long time to, to, to go through 30 years, uh, to, t- to take you through a 30-year season of storms, which is what we've lived through. Uh, that would take a minute. But I want to give you the very, 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 uh, you know, short version of that. And just let you know some things that uh, that God has brought us through. Um, Nancy and I, by the way, I will w- we'll just let you know this real quick. This is uh, this is kind of a cool part of our story. Uh, th- in in next month, Nancy and I will be celebrating our 42nd wedding anniversary. <laughs> But, the, uh, but a really cool part of that is, is that last February on Valentine's Day, that was the 52nd anniversary of the first Valentine's card that I gave her, because we have been sweethearts since the second grade. And so, uh, anyway, and, uh, and so uh, anyhow, so it's been interesting. We were sweethearts on and off all the way through elementary school, junior high Mostly on, but sometimes off. But once we got to high school, we never dated anybody else. Got married six weeks after we graduated from high school, and then moved to Springfield, Missouri, to go to Central Bible College. And so, anyhow, uh, we've uh, we've uh, I can't remember a whole lot of my life that Nancy wasn't there. And uh, there's so much I could tell you as different other things that just the Lord just was funny stories. But uh, anyhow, uh, we did we did go through a lot of things after eight years of trying to have children. Uh, Eight years of infertility. We finally won the battle against infertility when our son Colton was born. And so we're so excited. And when that happened, we were youth pastors at Germantown Assembly of God up in Germantown. And uh, so when he was born, it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Now life is absolutely perfect. But that perfection only lasted about two hours. Because two hours later, when I went to the nursery to get him to bring him to the room, he was not there. And basically, they had to rush him to intensive care because Colton was born with five heart defects. And the first nurse that I spoke to in, in, in intensive care, neonatal intensive care, said, she was trying to encourage me, but it wasn't encouraging. She said, we think that he is going to survive in the ambulance to get to That's how That's how precarious it was that he was even going to, he had his first heart surgery when he was seven days old. Second, major, complicated, complex, open-heart correction, trying to correct as many of the issues as they could when he was 17 months old. And then about a year, less than a year after that, when he was only two years old, Nancy almost died from an autoimmune disease that just came from nowhere. And uh, her, her immune system began to attack her blood platelets as if they were some sort of a virus and she was literally bleeding to death internally and we did not know it. And so anyway, she, she was basically 20 minutes from death when we got her to the hospital. And uh, it took years for her to get back to a real normal life. For She was bedridden on and off for about six months. So there was part of that time she couldn't even feed herself. And so she was extremely sick. The odds were against Colton. It being able to survive or even live a normal life. The odds were very much against Nancy. It was six months before her doctor would tell her that, that she, he, they thought she might survive. But they said, if you do survive, you're going to be taking all these kind of medicines, this and, this and this and this and this and this, just to kind of stay alive, and you probably won't be in very good health. And then uh, we decided we wanted to expand our family, and so we prayed, and the Lord led us to adopt a baby girl from China. And so we went to China, and uh, adopted an orphan uh, out of an orphanage who had just turned one-year-old. And so there's a whole lot of details to this that are amazing that would show you that God directed us to this specific child. And so they placed little Anna Grace in our arms and immediately I bonded with her. I knew immediately I would take a bullet for this baby. And I knew that she was, she was from, from, from the creation of the universe, she was designed to be my daughter. (laughs) And so, and so we were so excited to have little Anna Grace. And, uh, and then, so we were there in, in China for a couple of weeks. Well, When we got back to the United States, within 30 days, Anna Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer. She had a 12-hour emergency brain. They cleared the schedule of surgery for the next day and got everybody else off of it to put her on because she was on death watch that night, and she had no symptoms at all when we adopted her. And so it was a a very quick thing. And uh, and so she had a 12-hour emergency brain surgery. She had a brain tumor on her brain stem the size of a lemon, in a, in a one-year-old baby's brain. And, uh, and so she had very, she, then she went through a, over a year of chemo and radiation at St. Jude and several years of, of therapies to try to teach her how to walk and to just do stuff and things like that. And so the odds were radically against Anna Grace too. She had less than a 15% chance of survival and virtually no chance of living a normal life if she did survive. They told us she would probably never learn how to walk probably never learn how to talk those kind of things and then we had a couple of other major heart scares with colton where he was rushed to the hospital uh in an ambulance with his heart rate going over 245 beats a minute uh and then in november of 2021 i almost died of a massive heart attack almost died twice that night and i was leaving when i had the heart attack i was walking out of the gym from lifting weights so i was extremely fit and uh and then uh I got five cardiac stents, but didn't have to have a heart surgery. And, uh, and then three months later, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. Now, that's, all the, that's my, most of the storms. But now let me give you, the, let me give you the, the good news. The odds were against every single one of us surviving and not able to, ever being able to thrive. But let me tell you something about odds. Faith in God can crush the odds. If you've got your eyes on the Lord, he can bring you through any storm you've ever experienced in your life. Colton is about to turn 31 years old. And he has actually been, he has actually been in his lifetime, he has played sports. He has been athletic. He has done uh, amazing things that they said he would never be able to do. Nancy is in amazing health. She's not taking any medicine they said she would have to take to stay alive. And she is in better health today in most ways, in most facets of her life. She's in better health today than she was before she even got sick back in 1994. That is miraculous. And uh, Anna Grace is 23 years old. She's finished three years of college. She is an amazingly talented young woman. You would never look at her and think she'd been sick a day in her life. And they said she might never learn how to talk. But the entire time she was in school, through elementary, junior high, and high school, her vocabulary and linguistics were two years ahead of the grade level that she was in. And my cardiologist almost used the word miracle uh, because I had 100% blockage, 90% blockage, and multiple 85% blockages. Almost died twice that night when I had the heart attack. And I was, I was uh, basically, they, they examined me thoroughly two weeks later, and the cardiologist came in the room and almost used the word miracle. He said, "It is um, it is, um, it is amazing. <laughs> that you have zero damage to your heart after the heart attack that almost killed you twice. And so the brain aneurysms are small and low risk and stable and those kind of things. But I'm here to let you know something this morning. Any storm that the Lord brings you to, he can bring you through in miraculous victory and that is something we need to understand, so I want to uh, uh, I want to deal with let's see. do we have the family photo? Do I have that? I can't remember if I sent it to you or not. Uh, yeah, this is us. Uh, this was uh it, it, that's a uh, close colton over there on the on the right side of the picture, and there's uh Nancy beside him and Anna Grace there next to me. and then uh, the guy in the background doing the the uh the uh you know the photo bomb is his name is Abe. <laughs> but uh, anyway. So the Lord showed me um, that, uh, I can't remember, guys, I'm so sorry, I can't remember what order I told you about the slides, uh, but the, the Lord showed me uh, several years ago that I was supposed to be writing and traveling and speaking, and he showed me that I needed to write not only, the book, the book that, that uh, your pastor's talking about is not just our story, it's not a memoir, our story is woven in as illustrations. But what the thing is, is that God showed me the reason He allowed all of this to happen in our family, why we were pastoring, why we were fulfilling the call of God. One of the biggest miracles is that Cornerstone Church grew. <laughs> I was so distracted the whole time. It's amazing that we grew to actually to multi-site. We planted a campus in Tupelo in, in 2015, and that thing has exploded uh, with growth. And they've had well over 1,000 people except Christ uh, there since we planted that campus. We took over a church of 11 people that was about to be shut down. And so what I'm letting you know is that God can crush the odds. So, if someone's telling you you're not going to make it, if somebody's telling you all these negative things, don't listen to that. Keep your eyes on the Lord because He can crush the odds that might be against you. And so, anyway, um, the the story that basically the book is about is all the lessons that God taught us. He showed me the reason I allowed all these things was to train you to go through adversity. And then I'm going to use you to help other people all over the world to go through the adversity that they're going through by sharing the lessons that I taught you. That's what this book is. And so, anyway... um, if you want to if you're interested in, in uh in connecting uh, i don't think i've got the connection guide. if I, if it's not the next one i'm sorry uh but uh, my, my website is greg and there's some other devotional guides uh, blogs and things on there there's an email on that website you can email me from there's facebook there greg davis author and then just regular greg davis and then instagram is is on there those kind of things if you want to connect that's fine now i want you to take your bible and turn to matthew chapter 14. Because there is an amazing story about a storm in the scripture that the Lord has used for decades to be an encouragement to me. And, and basically, the, the book is a very deep de- drill down into the text that we're going to read today. And so it's Matthew chapter 14, and if you're ready to read, say, let's go. Immediately, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, you told us in your word that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. So, Lord, the words that we have just read will, will be existing far longer than the concrete that this church is built on. And so, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for helping us today to open our hearts, to keep our hearts open as we did in worship. The same Holy Spirit that inspired us and helped us worship in spirit and in truth is the one that inspired these words. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will all have our hearts open and our minds focused and that you will plant the seeds of eternal truth in our lives that we desperately need to navigate adversity. And, God, I thank you and I praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, All right. Uh, If you're a note-taker this morning... Uh, this would be your first point to, to write again. The, the uh, title of the message is Standing Strong in the Storm. The first point would be this, the priority of perspective. The priority of perspective. And, uh, and so we're going to get to that in just a minute. The focus of this is the instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. He said in verse 22, we read it, get in the boat and go on over to the other side. And see, the fact of the matter is, this happened right after the feeding of the 5,000. So they had just been a part of an incredible miracle of Jesus multiplying fish and loaves for thousands of people. And so anyway, that's, that happened right before this, and there's a reason I'm sharing that with you. So on the surface, when Jesus said, hey, guys, get in the boat and go on over, that sounds like just a simple thing. But what we've just read in this story lets you know that there was far more that they were about to experience than what they could have ever expected. They just thought, this is a simple instruction. We're going to get in the boat. We're going over to the other side. But as the scene develops, it was obvious there was more going on here. Jesus already knew what this night was about to accomplish in the lives of his disciples. And that's actually the purpose that all of this happened. Now, I love, let me tell you something. This is, this is a commercial, but it's not for my book. It's for God's book. Okay. <laughs> this book is a treasure trove of truth that we desperately need in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you, if you read the Bible every once in a while, kick it up and read the Word every day because there's so much treasure in this Word that we just skim over and don't see that I'm going to tell you something. It will change your life. And so I just want to encourage you, be a student of the Word more than you've ever been in your life. And when you do, you're going to be excited when you wake up in the morning because you know that God's going to reveal something fresh to you every single day if you are focused and passionate on the Word. In the original language, I'm a a Greek geek, so I'll just admit it. In the original language, the phrase that is translated into English that we read, it says cross over to the other side. In the Greek, that comes from a root word that means to pierce through something and to go farther than you've ever gone. Now, think about that just for a second. That's, what, that's the Greek words that, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit inspired. Matthew to use in this text in the scripture. So, what does that mean? To pierce through something means there's some kind of a barrier that's going to come up in front of you to try to hinder your progress. If you have to pierce through something, that means there's something there that you have to pierce through. And for the disciples, that storm was a weather storm that blew up in front of them and the wind was blowing against them. They were trying to do what Jesus said, but the wind started blowing against them. Now, we all have experienced times in our life when we were trying to do what Jesus said, but some other kind of a storm blew up in your life, and it was blowing against you, trying to hinder you from moving forward. So I just want to let you know something. We need to identify the barriers in our lives. God is always, from Genesis to Revelation, God is always calling his people on a journey. He is always calling us to grow in faith, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to become the very best version of ourselves that he created us to be. God's call on churches and on people and on the kingdom of God, God's call on our lives is never just to fold our arms, sit and be satisfied and stagnate. That is never the call of God. His call is always Keep going forward. Keep growing. Keep moving. Pierce through any barriers that is trying to hinder you from growing in your faith. And so he's always calling us to the next level. But to do that, here is a major key. How do you do that? We all know that when we're going through storms in life, and I'm not just talking about weather. When we're going through storms in life, we all know that it really messes with us especially when we're trying our best to serve God and we're still going through storms. We've all brewed up some stupid storms in our own life by making dumb decisions, but that's not what happened to the disciples and that's not what happens to a lot of us. It really messes with you when the storm brews up in your life and it's hindering you when you're trying to serve God. But here's one of the things you've got to do. You have to monitor your mindset. As a matter of fact, we're going to all say that together. One, two, three. Monitor your mindset. That is the, that's the application of the priority of perception. You see, from, from our perception, we love comfort. We love smooth seas to sail on. We love that. But from God's perspective... He wants to cause us to be able to be strengthened and grow and develop and become more and more and more Christ like and more and more exactly what He created us to be. And that never happens when you live a life of ease. It never happens. You've got to monitor your mindset and think from His perspective, and not in a, we cannot live with a comfort zone mindset. We've got to live. We are living in a world where that we're surrounded by spiritual warfare. So we can't live with a comfort zone mindset. We got to live with a combat mindset. Soldiers don't. Are, they're not. Soldiers are not shocked when they're when they're coming under attack in warfare. They expect it because they know they're in warfare. So we have to understand. We got to live with a combat mindset that the enemy is going to try to come against you. He's going to try to blow against you, but what you are going to be empowered to do is to pierce through whatever barrier stands in front of you. How do you monitor your mindset? Well, I'm going to do something you've never had anybody do in your life from this platform or any platform in any church. Everybody take your cell phone out and start looking at it. Come on. This is, a, this is an illustration that's going to teach you something. God showed me this years ago. I've shared it at Cornerstone bunches of times. Take your cell phone out, and I want you to look at your photos app. Pick a picture, and just you don't, don't spend a lot of time picking a picture. Just take a, take your photos app and choose a picture to look at, okay? How many of you have chosen your picture? Say yep. yep. All right, now I want you to study what is in that picture. I want you to look at the top, the bottom, the right, the left, all the corners, and look at the center as if I was going to give you a quiz, on what is in the picture you're looking at, all right? I'm going to give you five more seconds to do it. Four, three, two, one. Now, here's the follow-up question that teaches us the lesson. Actually, one more thing you have to do. Take two fingers and zoom all the way in on your picture. All the way in. All the way in. Now, if you just did that, say, I zoomed. zoomed. Now, here's the follow-up question. Can you still see everything in that picture? Answer me when I ask you a question. (laughs) (laughs) Can you still see everything in the picture? Why not? Because you have zoomed past the majority of it to focus on one small Fraction, and that's exactly what our human nature tries to get us to do when a storm blows up in our life. The Lord showed us years and years ago in the very first storm that we could not just focus on our unanswered questions about why after eight years of infertility, God allowed our son to be born with five heart defects. We we couldn't just focus on that. We had to focus on everything else. And so here's the lesson the Lord taught us that I want to share with you. If you're going to navigate adversity God's way, and, and come out stronger on the other side instead of weaker and come out better on the other side instead of bitter, if you're going to navigate adversity God's way and grow through your storm instead of just going through your storm, you're going to have to monitor your mindset and you're going to have to zoom back out and look at the big picture. Don't just look at the crisis of the moment. And so this really is a, a great example of this, which has happened more than once. But when Anna Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer, after I had almost lost Colton and, and Nancy, I could not believe it. I was like, what in the world? Why are you allowing this to happen? And, and I've gone through a lot of unanswered questions. But the Lord showed me in that time, that's when this revelation came, I believe. The Lord showed me, Look at the big picture zoom back out don 't just focus on the crisis of the moment. so when I zoom back out and look at the big picture, instead of just being scared about what was happening with Anna, I saw God deliver colton, God deliver Colton, God helped him god he, he was already playing sports when, when we adopted her. He was eight years old, he was already playing baseball and uh, and so all these kind of things and so he said and I, he said, "Look at the big picture, and when I looked at the big picture, I saw that God had crushed the odds in Colton's life so far at that point, and God had crushed the odds in Nancy's life, and and both of them were already becoming healthier and healthier. So when I looked at the big picture, I saw things that I could celebrate. I saw blessings of God that made me grateful, and that's the way we have to monitor our mindset. You can't just look at the storm that's blowing up. you got to look at the big picture. Now, I'm not saying you ignore it, I'm just saying it can't be the only thing you focus on. you got to look at the big picture. And if you don't look at the big picture, you won't see everything that is in reality. And so, anyway, uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy when you're going through all kinds of horrible trials. And I know if in my life I've read that a few times and went, really? That is actually... That is actually a direct command for us to monitor our mindset and to to be able to focus not just on the bad thing that's happening right now, but on all the great things that God has done in our life so that we really see the whole big picture. So the number two thing that we need to talk about is the priority of perseverance. The priority of perseverance, and our focus for this is not the instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples. It was the obstruction, the storm that blew up to hinder their progress. And um, we all go through storms, and track with me here. Some people are ruined by their storms, and other people are refined by their storms. So how you navigate adversity in your life will make all the difference in the outcome. If, if You don't want to be ruined you want to be refined. Storms can lead people to their destruction or to their destiny. And you have to say, I am, if you only focus on the negative, you will let it lead you to destruction. But if you zoom back out and look at the big picture and look at all the things you have to be grateful for and the blessings of God in your life, then you will, it will lead you to your destiny instead of your destruction. And I'm going to share why here a little bit later. So we don't like it. Nobody likes it. We don't like it when winds blow against us. We don't like it when we face adversity. But facing resistance and obstructions is actually a normal part of life. We don't like it. We don't enjoy it. I want to ask you a question. Anybody here right now in your life, it's in, it's in your current routine of living that you go to the gym and work out? Anybody here? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, few. I'm back in the gym. Um, all right. So let's, okay, so let's, uh, we got like four hands. So let's see if we can get more participation. Any of you know somebody that goes to a gym and works out? Ah, that's, that's 60% right there. Let's go for 100%. Anybody ever heard of a gym? We understand. We understand that when we go to the gym, Let's just say maybe on a bench press or something. When we go to the gym and we overcome the resistance of the weight over and over again, but we do it with the proper form to avoid injury. When we overcome the resistance of the weights over and over and over again, what happens? Your muscles grow and your strength grows and your capacity grows and you can lift more and do more. We understand that in the gym, but we struggle with it in life. But the same thing is true. This principle is true. If you overcome the resistance of adversity in your life and you do it proper with the proper form to avoid injury to your spirit, and you do it over and over and over again, the same thing happens. Your spiritual muscles grow. Your strength grows to a higher level than ever, and your capacity grows to a higher level than ever. And God can use you to do more than you ever thought he'd be able to use you to do because you're stronger than you've ever been. And that is what God wants to happen when we go through adversity. Just think of it this way it's spiritual gym it's what it is so we have to monitor our mindset but here's another here's the application for this point we have to commit to never quit this is about perseverance so let's all say that together commit to never quit you got to monitor your mindset and you got to commit to never quit because the only way you can lose is if you quit That's the only way you can lose. And so Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The disciples were probably eight to 10 hours battling their storm. And Jesus, in verse 25, it says, Jesus appears to them walking on the stormy seas now, there's some exciting revelations that the Lord gave me years ago about this when we were going through storms in life and stuff. And so one of the things he showed me, and most of everything that I've preached through the years, a lot of it has, was born in my devotional journal. I want to encourage you. If you, don't, if, you don't write in a, if you don't have a devotional journal, get a devotional journal. Begin to write the things that God is speaking to you so you don't forget them and so that the devil can't steal them from you. And so this was almost everything in this message and everything in this book was born in my devotional journal. I've been keeping a devotional journal since 1988. And so anyway, here's something the Lord showed me years and years and years ago. We're going through a storm. When Jesus comes walking on stormy waves to get to his disciples in the middle of their storm, what does that mean? Nothing can stop Jesus from coming to the aid of his people. He is not going to let you go through the storm by yourself. If He has to walk on stormy waves to get to you, He will come to you in the middle of your storm. And so the Lord showed me that, and He came to us in the middle of our storms over and over and over again. Another revelation the Lord gave me that was encouraging and kind of unique is that He's uh, like the Holy Spirit kind of whispered to me, What was the greatest threat? that was, that was, uh, the, the disciples were facing. Well, the wind was scary, but the greatest threat they faced was the waves that was crashing into their boat because they were already in the middle of the sea of Galilee, at least three or four miles from any part of the shore. There's no way in the world. They knew if we sink, we're dead because we can't swim back to the shore in stormy waves. And so, especially for miles and miles. And so anyway, so the greatest threat Against the disciples was the waves crashing against their boat that could fill the boat up and sink them. And so the Holy Spirit showed me this. He said, when Jesus came walking out to his disciples in the middle of their storm, he was walking on their greatest threat. He was demonstrating to them that what they were scared to death of was under his feet under his authority. And he can stomp all over any storm in your life if, you, if he wants to. And so anyway, he was walking on their greatest threat, demonstrating total dominance over their greatest fear. We will never face anything. We will never face anything that's not under his authority. We will never face a storm in life that he can't walk all over to come out to us. And there's, all, there's more exciting things too. So. But here's one thing t- real quick. Again, mon- this goes kind of back to monitoring your mindset. Boats don't sink unless too much water gets inside them. And neither do we. If we, let, if we let too much negativity get inside of us when we're going through storms, you see, it's more important what happens inside of you than it is what's happening to you. And so if we let too much negativity, too much anger, too many unanswered questions, if we get let too much of that stuff get inside of us, then the enemy can use that to sink us in our faith. And that's what he wants, but that's not what God wants. So we've got to monitor our mindset, gotta to commit to never quit. We have to train ourselves, another one of little, little phrases here, we have to train ourselves to gaze at the blessing and glance at the pain. That's what the Lord showed us years ago. We got to gaze, stare, gaze at the blessing of God and just glance at the pain. And so Jesus said, now this, this comes to this point number three, is the priority of purpose. There was a purpose that God allowed all of this to happen. And so now we're going to wrap it up. The priority of purpose. The focus of this is not the instruction or the obstruction. The focus of this is the construction because that's exactly what happened to the faith of the disciples. Jesus walked out to them on the waves, and as he was walking on the waves demonstrating the fact that he was the son of God, demonstrating the fact that he could totally he, he could he didn't ha- he was not subject to all the laws of nature. He could walk on stormy waves if he wanted to. And so he was not only saying, he was not only saying it out of his mouth, he was demonstrating it by, by doing it, but he actually did say something too. He said, take courage. It is I. Now, those of us who love English in and, and school and wrote a lot of stuff in school, we go, wait a minute, it is I. That's not correct. We should have said it is me. Uh, but here's an interesting thing about that phrase, another geek Greek thing. The, the Greek phrase here is ego me." And here's a really cool revelation too. Most other places in the New Testament, that Greek phrase is not translated as it is I. It's translated in more places as I am. So think about it just a second. What do you think those Jewish boys in that boat thought when Jesus came walking on water to them in the middle of their storm and said the I am is here? What do you think they thought of? Immediately, their minds went back to Moses and the burning bush. When God spoke to him out of that bush and said, you tell Pharaoh that the I am is sending you because I am who I am. And Jesus was not only declaring it, he was demonstrating it. That he was the son of God, the I am. And he is coming to you in the middle of your storm. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, you know, Peter's always the first one to speak up. How many of you have that gift? (laughs) First one to speak up. So Peter's always the first one to speak up. And he said, uh, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. This is Why is this important? This is important because this is another lesson that the Lord taught us years and years ago. Jesus said, come. And as we read the scripture, remember the three phases? The Bible says in the verse that we read that Jesus got down out of, I mean, Jesus, not, not Jesus, but Peter, got down out of the boat, first phase walked on the water, second phase, and came towards Jesus. That's the third phase. That does not describe one step. Some people think Peter just stepped out and took one step and then started to sink. No, 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 no. He was walking on the water to Jesus, but he wasn't just walking on water. I believe the Lord showed me this. He was walking on the word. Jesus told him, come. Come. And so he was walking in obedience to Christ. And when he stepped out of that boat, it wasn't just the water that was keeping him up. It was the word that Jesus spoke to him that was powerful enough. That one word was powerful enough to buoy him up above the waves. And so here's the thing. Every time we went through a storm, we would, we would literally take a lot of time and say, Lord, we pray, give us a word to walk on. What is the word that we need to walk on in the middle of this storm? And this was, many of these were back before iPads or smartphones. And so we would get a word from God and we would write it down on a sticky notes and put it on the mirror In the bathroom, we would put it on the refrigerator. We would put it on the dash of the car because no car had a screen at that time. And we would always make sure that we were keeping our eyes on the word that God gave us to walk on in the middle of that storm. And he helped us to walk through all of those things because we had a word. But here's another cool part. Obedience to the word of Christ put the storm under Peter's feet. Not just under Jesus' feet. Think about it just for a second. Now, if Jesus had told Peter to, nope, 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 stay in the boat, then Peter would have fulfilled the meaning of his nickname and sank like a rock. (laughs) But he was, but he literally, Jesus gave him the, the authority to do that. Obedience to the word of the Lord put the stormy seas under Peter's feet. And obedience to the word that God gave us time and time and time again put the storms under our feet and under his feet, and it will put the storms under your feet if you get a word from the Lord and you walk in obedience to that word. And so Peter walked on the, on the word. He was walking on the water. And when he was walking in obedience to the word, Jesus gave him supernatural traction to be able to walk and do the impossible. But because he was a human being, when he fell to distraction, he lost his traction. And that's exactly the strategy that the enemy has for all of us. Many, many times when you feel like your storm is intensifying, it may very well be the enemy's trying to distract you to get you to lose traction. But there's another reason why. It intensifies. Peter said, Lord, save me. And here's another. You know what? This is a really an interesting Bible study in this, in this text of Scripture. If you just study the words immediately, how many times the word immediately happens, watch this. The Bible says in verse 31, after Peter said, Lord, save me, because he took his eyes off of Jesus and took, put his eyes back on the storm, he got scared and started to sink. Bible says, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. How did that happen? How did it happen? How could Jesus immediately reach out his hand and catch Peter's hand and pull him back up? The reason that happened, I believe the Lord showed me this, is because when Peter lost his focus and got scared about the storms, he evidently was basically one step from Jesus. He was right there because Jesus reached down and grabbed him. And let me tell you something Jesus is the rescuer. He is the rescuer. Is there anybody in this place? Anybody watching online? Has he ever pulled you up out of something you were sinking into? Has he ever pulled you up out of an addiction? Pulled you up out of anger? Pulled you up out of depression? Pulled you up out of all kinds of situations? He is the rescuer, and that's his nature. And he immediately grabbed Peter's hands and yanked him back up out of those waves, just like he does for all of us. He's the rescuer. He's the rescuer. And so how many times do we get distracted and take our eyes off of the Lord when we are so close to victory we don't even realize it or we've lost our, our thoughts? So you've got to keep your focus. The Bible says they climbed back in the boat. How did they climb back in the boat? Because they walked back to the boat. I've heard pastors preach on this message uh, on this, uh, on this text many, many times. And most of the time they are body slamming Peter and just like saying, ah, he's, he shouldn't have lost his focus. He shouldn't have. Hit the whole thing was a failure. No, 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 no. Peter spent way more time walking on the water than he did sinking in the water. And so you can't just look at your failures. You have to also look at the victories that God has given you and that will help you monitor your mindset. And so anyway, he, he, they climbed back in the boat. In the, in the, you know, Peter, this wasn't a massive failure for Peter. It was an incredible victory. He was the only one that had the faith to step out of the boat. And so, let me, let me share this with you. It's, it's an incredible victory. In the Olympic sport of water walking, Peter still has a silver medal. <laughs> there you go. Jesus has got the gold medal, but Peter still has a silver medal. And so don't just focus on your failures. Focus on the victories God has given you. Verse 33 said, those who were in the boat when they stepped, now watch it, this is a little cool, why, they stepped back in the boat and immediately the wind died down. Why did the wind die down when they stepped back in the boat? Because it wasn't needed anymore. It was part of the lesson that God was teaching them. He said, those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, truly you are the son of God. Why is that important? The whole purpose here. It says the priority of purpose. Everybody, That's the, that's the third thought. And here's the application of the priority of purpose. you got to seek God's purpose. Let's say it together. Seek God's purpose. The purpose of this storm was to build the disciples' faith to a higher level than it had ever been. And you say, well, why is it higher than it's ever been? Because in these verses that I just read and you just read, that is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that it's recorded where the disciples were actively worshiping Jesus, and it's the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that he records that the disciples were declaring, truly, you are the Son of God. They didn't say that the day before when he was multiplying fish and loaves. It's wonderful when you see God's provision. Let me share something with you. Nothing will ever build your faith to a higher level than it's ever been when he, but, it, but until he brings you through a storm that you thought was going to kill you when he brings you through a storm you never thought you were going to make it through your faith is going to skyrocket to a whole new level and that's exactly what happened to his disciples and uh, here there's I don't have time to go into this but on the other side when they landed on the other side the ministry that happened in the lives of people on the other side of that storm was far greater than just getting free filet of fish, happy meals. (laughs) Free fish sandwich is pretty cool. But on the other side, the Bible describes, especially in the Greek language. Again, the Bible describes that it wasn't just healings that they had in their bodies, which is a wonderful thing. And that's even better than getting the free fish sandwich. But, uh, on the other side, the Bible says there was physical healings, but the Greek word used in those texts on the other side is not just physical healing. It literally means it's the root word of what the New Testament uses in, in, the, in this, all the places to talk about salvation. And so people on the other side of that storm, he, God used his, the disciples on the other side of that storm in a greater way than it had ever been used before and they saw more impact on people's lives. Why is that important? Because on the other side of your storm, God can use you in a greater way than you ever thought possible. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. It says, We give thanks to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that We can comfort other people with the same comfort that God gave us. What does that mean? God wants to use you in a greater way on the other side of your storm because you can minister to people that were going through similar things than what you've been through, and you can train them and help them to come through it and become stronger in their faith instead of becoming spiritually destroyed. That's the purpose for all of these things. And so I just want to encourage you. Jesus has the power over every storm that ever threatens your life and you need to trust and obey him, especially when you don't understand the circumstances. And in this world right now that we're going through, there's never been a higher percentage of people in this country that are struggling with depression. There's never been a higher percentage of people that are struggling with hopelessness. There's never been a higher percentage of people that are feeling doom and gloom and those kind of things. But I'm going to show you something. God wants you to be the shining light in the darkness around you. And when you, when people come and they see you going through storms and they see you going through things and getting stronger in your faith, they're going to be drawn to you. You're going to be used in a greater way than ever. And this world needs the light. And Jesus said that we are called to be that light. And so right now, I want you to bow your heads.